AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 86 of AFF On Air. It's the 11th of June, 2022. If you've been looking at international airfares recently, you've probably noticed that they're getting quite expensive at the moment. But if you're planning to visit multiple countries or continents on the same trip, there are some great value round the world airfares out there that not only offer great flexibility, but are often also cheaper than just booking a point-to-point flight to North America or Europe. Have I piqued your interest? Well, later in this episode, I'll be joined by a travel agent and regular guest on this podcast, Alan Lamb, to talk about how you can take advantage of these special airline-specific airfares. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And firstly, Singapore Airlines has announced a significant devaluation to its Chris Flyer Frequent Flyer program to take effect from next month. From the 5th of July, the number of Chrisflyer miles you'll need to redeem for a Singapore Airlines or Star Alliance award flight or upgrade will increase by around 10 to 15% depending on the route. And from the 1st of August, Chrisflyer will make changes to its stopover rules on award bookings. Complimentary stopovers will soon be limited to a maximum of 30 days, while the option to pay $100 for an additional stopover on some types of Chrisflyer award bookings will be removed completely. Have a look at the Australian Frequent Flyer article called Major Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer Award Devaluation for more details. And you can find this article linked in the episode notes for this podcast or on australianfrequentflyer.com.au. With international travel restrictions easing around the world and the July school holidays coming up, many international flights to and from Australia over the coming months are already sold out or looking very close to being full already. Qantas's new Perth to Rome flights, which launch in two weeks, have been selling particularly well. The first two flights are already completely sold out in all classes of travel, while several others have just a couple of seats left. And in the other direction, the Rome to Perth flights are looking extremely full in all cabin classes around the end of the July school holidays. Many of Virgin Australia's daily flights from Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane to Bali, which resume next week, are also looking very, very full right now. There's still a week left before Virgin's first flight to Bali since 2020 takes off, but already 17 Virgin Australia flights between Australia and Denpasar are completely sold out in both economy and business for travel over the coming months. This includes two Sydney to Bali flights, four Melbourne to Bali flights, nine Brisbane to Bali flights, and two Bali to Melbourne flights throughout June and July. And many more flights just have one or two sleets left available for sale on the whole plane. But the business class loads on Virgin's Sydney to Bali route are the most impressive of all. Business class is already sold out on every single one of Virgin's Sydney to Bali flights from the launch date on 15th of June until the 4th of July. And in the opposite direction from Bali back to Sydney, there are currently only six flights which have any business seats available between the 15th of June and the 7th of August. And remember, these flights are running every day. 
With Indonesia recently dropping all quarantine and COVID testing requirements for vaccinated tourists, other airlines have also resumed flying recently from Australia to Bali to meet the surging demand. Jetstar and Qantas are now back to flying all of their pre-COVID routes from Australia to Bali. Indonesia Air Asia also resumed flights last month from Perth to Bali, and Melindo Air is planning to resume flights from Melbourne and Brisbane to Bali with onward service to Kuala Lumpur later this month. United Airlines has announced it will fly from Brisbane to San Francisco with three weekly Boeing 787 flights starting from the end of October. United recently launched a partnership with Virgin Australia, which has a major hub at Brisbane Airport. With Virgin will co-chair on the flights and also be able to provide onward connectivity to dozens of destinations on the Australian end of the Brisbane to San Francisco route, while United offers over 80 onward connections from its San Francisco hub. The new United service to Brisbane is partially funded by Queensland taxpayers as part of the state government's $200 million Attracting Aviation Investment Fund. Qantas has re-established a call centre in Manila to handle reservations and ticketing inquiries. Qantas already has call centres, as you may know, in Hobart, Auckland, Cape Town and Suva. The Flying Kangaroo is also currently trialling new self-service kiosks at Terminal 3 in Sydney Airport, which will eventually replace the current check-in kiosk at all domestic airports across Australia, where currently the check-in kiosks are installed. These new kiosks are faster, but they can only print luggage tags and charge for excess baggage. They cannot check in customers or print boarding passes, so Qantas customers will soon be forced to check in at home or on their smartphone or otherwise queue up at the airport for assistance at the service counter. Rex has been routinely filling empty business class seats on its capital city jet services by upgrading economy passengers for free. The random free upgrades have been happening for quite some time, and in fact, they date all the way back to the inaugural Rex Melbourne to Sydney flight on the 1st of March last year. But this is not just a one-off thing that's happening occasionally because a flight is oversold in economy. That's not something that's um, happening too frequently on Rex flights anyway. But it seems to be Rex's unofficial policy um, just to fill those empty seats if there's empty uh, seats in business available. It's not exactly clear why Rex is doing this or how it decides who to upgrade, but it seems to just be random and at the discretion of airport gate agents. Upgraded passengers are getting their boarding passes stamped with the words catering not assured, but meals are often still provided for free to upgraded passengers. Velocity frequent flyer members can earn status credits on all Virgin Australia reward seat bookings for the next two months, with Velocity bringing back the promotion that it ran from October last year until March of this year. The new limited time offer covers Virgin Australia reward seats booked using Velocity points on both domestic and international flights for travel from the 1st of June until the 31st of July 2022. Both economy and business class reward seats will earn status credits with this offer, regardless of when the ticket was booked, as long as the flight takes place on Virgin Australia during the two-month promo period between June and July. Economy reward seats are earning at the economy light rate, while business reward seats will earn at the usual rate that would apply to economy choice tickets. Virgin Australia also continues to offer bonus status credits on all revenue airfares with 45% bonus status credits on business class and 100% bonus status credits on economy until the 30th of June. Qantas Frequent Flyer has extended its offer of fee-free changes and cancellations on classic flight reward bookings for at least another three months. 
Previously only applicable to bookings made with Qantas points until the 30th of June this year, Qantas's flexible classic rewards policy now applies to domestic and international bookings made up until the 30th of September. When booking a domestic classic flight reward with Qantas points, you'll now be able to change or cancel with no fees up until the 30th of September for travel up to the same date. The new policy also covers international classic flight rewards booked until the 30th of September, including trans-Tasman flights. Um, But for international bookings made by this date, you'll be able to change or cancel for free until the 31st of December this year. And that's regardless of the travel date. The travel date can even be after the 31st of December, as long as you make the change by the 31st of December. Qantas passengers on long-haul flights, meanwhile, can now finally select exit row seats once again, with the airline removing the block on these seats from the 1st of June earlier this month. On long-haul Qantas flights, extra legroom seats can be selected again for an additional fee of between $115, for example, on flights to Singapore, up to $190, for example, flights to Los Angeles or London. All exit row seats which directly faced cabin crew jump seats had been marked as unserviceable throughout the pandemic and were not available for passenger use in order to protect the cabin crew. Comair, a South African airline which operated flights in South Africa under the British Airways and Kalula brands, has sadly gone out of business. There were already signs that things weren't going well for the company back in March this year when it was grounded by a South Africa's safety regulator for several days over apparent unresolved safety issues. This grounding was only for five days and Comair was back flying later in March, but then on the 31st of May, a couple of weeks ago, it voluntarily grounded all of its flights again due to financial problems. After failing to secure additional funding, Comair has since gone into liquidation. Before COVID-19, Comair was one of the most consistently profitable airlines in the world, and in fact, up until 2019, it had consecutively reported an annual profit for over seven decades. It operated a fleet of Boeing 737s on domestic routes within South Africa, as well as short-haul international flights from Johannesburg to destinations including Mauritius, Victoria Falls, Windhoek and Harare. But it had been in business rescue since May 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdowns in South Africa. Comair was a One World affiliate and a Qantas partner airline. The Spirit of Tasmania will sail from Geelong instead of from Port Melbourne from October this year. And finally, just a reminder that tomorrow is your last chance to redeem Virgin Australia Velocity points for Delta flights. If you would like to book a flight to the United States in premium economy or business class and you would like to travel any time in the next 11 months, you should get in quick as there is currently some availability on Delta's Sydney to Los Angeles route. But tomorrow is the last day you'll be able to make a new booking using Velocity points to fly on Delta. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you may be interested to know that I also host eight webinars per year for AFF's sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. Each interactive hour-long online webinar covers a timely topic of interest to frequent flyers and anyone in Australia looking to travel better for less. 
The next webinar will be held at 8pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday the 21st of June and the topic will be Essential Facts for Travelling Overseas in 2022. If you'd like to attend any Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar, you will need to register in advance. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. If you're planning a trip overseas and want to visit multiple continents in the same trip, it could be worth booking a round-the-world ticket. Not only does this give you pretty good flexibility, but it can even be cheaper than just booking a point-to-point flight from Australia to Europe or the Americas. For example, Qantas business class fares from Sydney to London currently start from $8,258 return at their cheapest, and flights from Sydney to Los Angeles on Qantas are over $9,000 return in business. But you could fly all the way around the world in business class and even use Qantas for the legs to and from Australia, starting from just $6,259. Similarly, a Qantas premium economy ticket from Sydney to London would currently cost you at least $4,205 return, and Sydney to Dallas in Qantas premium economy is over $5,200 return if you just buy a ticket uh, through Qantas. But you could fly all the way around the world on a Lufthansa, Austrian Airlines or Swiss Air ticket in premium economy and use Qantas for the legs to and from Australia from just $3,383, including taxes. And it's a similar thing with economy. You can get a cheaper around-the-world fare in economy than you'd pay just with a Qantas ticket to, uh, to London or Los Angeles. I recently wrote an article on AFF called Great Value Around the World Tickets with Finnair and Lufthansa, which takes a look at some of the special airline-specific airfare deals available to Australians who are travelling to Europe. And I'll include a link to this article on the episode notes for this podcast if you want to have a look at that. Now, these airfares aren't specifically around-the-world fares. They're in the sense that you don't actually have to use them to fly around the world. You could, for example, fly from Australia to Europe via South Africa and then return via Asia. Or you could fly to Europe via North America in both directions. But one of the most common and popular uses of these types of airfares is indeed to fly around the world. And this can be particularly great value. This article and these special airfares have attracted quite a lot of interest from Australian frequent flyer members, so to learn more about how they work, I'm joined now by a regular guest on this podcast, Alan Lamb, a travel agent at NetWave Travel, who goes by the username Mad Rooster on AFF. And before I welcome Alan, I'll apologise in advance for if you can hear car horns in the background. I'm in the middle of Mexico City at the moment, so this might be a bit of background noise. But on that note, welcome to the podcast, Alan. Thanks again, Matt. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you back on. It's always good to get your insights. And so I guess, first of all, in a nutshell, can you just explain for our listeners how these special airline, I guess you could call them quasi-round-the-world tickets, work? Well, they're not really quasi-round-the-world tickets as such, actually. Um, I mean, they've been called uh, called as such you know, online, and you know, you see a lot of other agents uh, advertising them as uh, so-called round-the-world tickets, but uh, they actually are technically Europe fares in return form, I guess, uh, where there's different directions that you can, or different routes that you can take to get to Europe. So to break that down, uh, essentially these fares are no different to if you were just simply doing Australia to Europe and, uh, and back. But what makes them around the world is that uh, you can go in different uh, routings or directions to get there. So uh, if we look at a world map, there's uh, a couple of different options in terms of routings or directions uh, that we can used to get to Europe, uh, since Europe is on the other side of the world to us in Australia. And so uh, the most common routing uh, that most people take is via Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong. Uh, that's known as the Eastern Hemisphere routing. Uh, another routing is the Trans-Siberian routing, which takes us up via Korea and Japan. 
uh, and then over uh, over Russia to get to Europe. And then the third routing is known as the Asia-Pacific routing, which either takes you via South America or North America and then across to Europe. So essentially what the airlines are doing uh, when they file these fares in the uh, GDS is that they file um, the, the Australia to Europe fare. So if you're, say, you're searching for a fare for Sydney to London or Sydney to Oslo, Sydney to Madrid, etc., cetera, uh, but they file them with three different directions uh, that these fares can be taken in, uh, being the Eastern Hemisphere, Trans-Siberian and uh, Asia-Pacific routings. Now, if you happen to be... Uh, a user of expert flyer, these fares will be filed as TS for Trans-Siberian, EH for Eastern Hemisphere, and AP for Asia-Pacific. So the, uh, with the way these fares are filed with the three different directions, uh, you can essentially mix and match uh, in an a la carte form. So, for example, you could pick to uh, go via uh, Asia-Pacific to get to Europe uh, on your way to Europe and then come back via Eastern Hemisphere, or you could go Eastern Hemisphere first and come back via Asia-Pacific. Or you could possibly go Trans-Siberian first to get to Europe and then come back by Asia-Pacific. Or you could even go uh, in both directions using the, the same routing. Uh, say, for example, you went via North America to Europe and back via the Asia-Pacific routing, uh, which often is a good earner if you are looking for status credits because the, uh, the Asia-Pacific routing is uh, obviously further ge- geographically than going via Asia. Yeah, and so I guess like if you want to make it an around the, into a around the world ticket, then you just go via the Asia Pacific routing and back through through Eastern Hemisphere or through uh, through Asia or, or the other way around, and uh, yeah, and you can turn it into a around the world trip that way. That as you say, it's not necessary with these tickets, uh, and that that is one of the things I love about um, traveling between Australia and Europe. You can travel in pretty much any direction, and eventually you'll get back to back to Europe or back to Australia. Um, and I, I do enjoy stopping over in different places along the way and, and taking advantage of that, but. Um, just in the uh, this Trans-Siberian routing, is that a bit problematic at the moment with a lot of airlines not flying over Russia and Japan being closed? Yes, uh, for a little while it was it was okay, but at the moment with the uh, um, issues in Russia and Japan also not being open, uh, generally open to tourists, uh, it's a bit of a problem at the moment with some flights going into Tokyo and Narita, but the, then the next flight is uh, departs from Tokyo Haneda, uh, or you know you you might fly into Tokyo Haneda and then. Uh, the next flight out to Australia, for example, might you know, not be for another two days because the the flight only runs three days a week or four days a week. For a, for example, uh, the exception to the rule would be those who are, and this is based on current restrictions as of uh, today, being the eleventh of June, um, is that if you are a Japanese national or you happen to be a dual national with um, of Japan and another country, then you can possibly enter Japan uh, since there's no quarantine requirements in Japan anymore. Uh, so if you've got, uh, if you happen to have uh, Japanese uh, citizenship, then you could possibly uh, fly via the Trans Siberian routing still and uh, enter Japan accordingly for the stopover or however many days you're there. I guess. Yeah, but I guess like once Japan hopefully eventually opens up to tourists, um, maybe after the Japanese election next month, um, you, it will be possible again for Australians to enter Japan. So that could be an option if you're booking, say, for travel next year. Um, and I believe Qantas is also going to soon start flying to Korea. So that could be an option as well, right? Yes, uh, I, I expect that the flights to um, to Seoul will be added to the uh, allowed routings uh, sooner, sooner or later. Uh, generally, these uh, the airlines that offer these fares do do keep on top of you know adding uh, various routes being added by their partner airlines. Uh, we have seen, for example, Sydney Vancouver is allowed on Qantas on uh, the Lufthansa as well as the Finnair fares. Um, you know that being a reasonably recent uh, addition to the network on a regular you know obviously Qantas used to uh, regular basis. Sorry, I should say Qantas used to uh, offer offer the Vancouver route only a couple of times. Uh, a year, usually winter and summer, and then 
you know, they'd only offer like five or six services in each of those periods. So back then that, um, that routing wasn't allowed, but these days it is because it's around year round service now. Perfect. Um, and I expect to see similar with, um, you know, uh, Sapporo, for example, when we uh, had that briefly on offer just before COVID, uh, the Sydney Sapporo service was allowed and then you could continue, um, say, Sapporo to Europe, uh, depending on who the airline was. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about the airlines that do offer these. So, um, like, as I mentioned in the article, Finnair and Lufthansa, or the Lufthansa Group, I guess, offer these. But, like, what's the what's the full range of airlines that Australians can be looking at to do these kinds of fares? Uh, Qantas, Qantas themselves actually offer such a uh, such a fare, actually, uh, except they only offer uh, Eastern Hemisphere and Asia Pacific, uh, so there's no Trans-Siberian routing for Qantas, okay. uh, and their fares tend to be a bit expensive. So, I mean, there are certain use cases where, particularly in flex economy, uh, where these fares may be useful, but uh, otherwise they, it's probably a little bit expensive to really consider them as such. Um in terms of One World, uh, we've got Finnair that offers it. Um, at one point, British Airways did offer it as well, but um, currently not an offer at the moment. But perhaps it may come back at a later time. Uh, we don't know. Um, in Sky, uh, sorry, in Sky Team, uh, Air France offers it. Uh, KLM offers it. Um, I think that's about it for Sky Teams. Uh, in Star Alliance, you've got Turkish Airlines. You've got uh, the Lufthansa Group. So that's Swiss Air, Austrian, and uh, Lufthansa. Uh, notably, Brussels Airlines does not offer such a product. Uh, it's only the three major ones in the Lufthansa group, and uh, that's about it, I think. Okay. And so some Australians might be familiar with the One World Explorer Around the World ticket or the Star Alliance Around the World ticket, and Sky Team also has one called the Sky Team Go Around the World Pass, although that's currently suspended due to COVID. But how are these fares different to those Around the World tickets offered by the alliances? So the alliance products, uh, such as the One World uh, Explorer Fair or the Global Explorer or the uh, various Star Alliance products, uh, they allow full flexibility where you can stop, uh, you can essentially have uh, up to 16 uh, stopovers, so not up to 16, 15 stopovers rather I should say on the on their f- tickets uh, and you can mix and match virtually any routing. You can basically create your own routing, uh, create as many stopovers as you like, pick whatever airline you want to fly, um, whatever you like really as long as the availability that you need is there. Uh, so that is quite a flexible product, and those those products tend to allow you to uh, not issue a ticket until usually two months before departure as well. Uh, and so there's a lot more flexibility of changes and uh, rerouting and so forth with those tickets. Uh, these uh, uh, these special fares to Europe, however, are uh, not so flexible. Uh, often they require ticketing within three days of uh, creating the booking, and there's a lot more restricted routings that are allowed. Um, and uh, some of these uh, some of these fares actually allow um, carriers that are not actually part of the alliance. For example, Lufthansa Group allows uh, Virgin Australia to be used domestically. Uh, previously, pre-COVID, they used to allow Virgin Australia even on the trans, uh, Trans-Pacific. Uh, Qantas is allowed for the Trans-Pacific and even up to Asia. So there's quite a few carriers that actually uh, often make the cut in, into these fares, even though they're not in the same alliances. Finnair, for example, allows Singapore Airlines and Thai Airways to get up to Asia. Okay, so uh, or even China Eastern to get to China. Oh wow. Okay, so I guess the the routings are a bit more restricted, but also they're not specific to the alliances. They're specific to which airline partners and routings are allowed, and also they're a lot cheaper, I guess, than a like an alliance around the world ticket. Yes, these are substantially cheaper. Uh, although uh, realistically, you probably only ever get about maybe ten flights onto these tickets, uh, rather than the full sixteen that the alliance products allow. 
Uh, and again, these are you know, routing restricted, so you're essentially forced to take uh, certain allowed routings that are in the route map. Okay, let's talk about those routings. So one of the um, fares that's particularly popular with Australians is the Finnair one, like we discussed, and Finnair being a one world mm-hmm. airline, it's quite popular because you can also earn Qantas points and status credits, of course. Um, with the Finnair uh, fares, what kind of routings are possible? Like, Can you give some examples? Uh, so with the Asia-Pacific routing, uh, you've got um, – uh, and this is not on all of the fares. Um, like some of the cheaper ones, for example, have more restrictive routing than the more expensive versions. Uh, and these fares are following all the way up the the fare ladder. So uh, anything from uh, discount economy all the way to the uh, higher flex- uh, flexible buckets as well. Okay. Uh, but on Asia Pacific, the, the main routings at the moment is uh, going via Vancouver, going via LA, going via Dallas. Uh, if San Francisco comes back up, then via San Francisco as well. Um and there's also South America via Santiago as well. Uh, there's some limited options that way, but uh, it's, it doesn't really work at the moment because of the fact that uh, Qantas don't fly there. Uh, although you can use LATAM. Uh, the Eastern Hemisphere routing, there is, uh, you can go via Colombo, you can go via Delhi, you can go via Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, uh, Kuala Lumpur. I think there's a couple of options via China possibly as well. So there's quite a few choices to, to play with. Uh, Trans-Siberia, you've got Korea, um, Korea, Japan. I think yeah, it's mainly mainly Korea and Japan uh, via Trans-Siberia. Uh, and there's so many, look, there's so many combinations that are possible uh, you know, with these fares. And each airline has different rules, different routings, uh, different carriers you can use. It, it's, yeah, there, there, there's quite a lot of choice. Okay. Uh, you, you piqued my interest when you mentioned Santiago. Uh, Latam has recently resumed flying to Santiago from Sydney and Auckland, and Qantas is going to start flying again from the end of October. How would that work with one of the Finnair fares? So, like, would you fly Latam or Qantas to Santiago, and then uh, how would you continue over to Europe that way? Uh, so, going by South America, uh, with Latam, there's, uh, you'd have to go into Santiago first as your port of entry, but you could possibly go across to Sao Paulo or Lima, um, as uh, since they're major Latin ports, but then you have to go from there up to the US and the US across to Europe. Uh, there's not really too many one-world options as far as uh, South America straight to Europe, so unfortunately you have to do have to go by the US uh, to get to Europe in, uh, if you take that routing. Okay, and is that a bit more expensive if you go via South America? Yes. Uh, for example, in business class, it's only offered on the D-class uh, fares and up, so it's not offered on the R-class and I-class fares. Um, so it, it definitely would be more expensive. Uh, but that said, uh, the South America routing in general, in terms of uh, availability, is also not so easy to get um, the availability that you need. And so, therefore, it tends to be inching up towards the, the D-class and up uh, fare levels anyway. Okay. And so, in Australia, can you start at any, uh, I guess, port that Qantas flies to in Australia, even like regional ports on one of these fares? Uh, Finnair, for example, do have a lot of the regional ports filed, uh, but uh, Lufthansa Group, for example, don't. So it really depends on which uh, which fare you're using, which carriers, and so forth. There's, uh, all the capital cities are filed, but um, uh, and some regional ports, but not not every single port would be filed. Okay, and using the Finnair fare as an example, like where can you stop over in Europe? Uh, in Europe, you, you can you can basically stop anywhere um, other than Helsinki being your entry point. Um, you can basically stop anywhere that Finnair flies. Okay, so you'd fly with Finnair on the legs to and from Europe um, into Helsinki and then with, um, with, with Finnair to any, pretty much anywhere in Europe that, that Finnair flies. And could you also stop over in Helsinki? Or in, and I assume you can also stop over in these Asian ports and North American ports as well along the way? 
Correct. Uh, some of the fares restrict you to two stopovers per direction. Others uh, are a bit more flexible where you have um, more stopovers allowed. Uh, so again, it really depends on fare level you're paying. You know, the more expensive fares give you more freedom. The cheaper fares give you less freedom and so forth. Uh, but yes, you can absolutely stop in Asia uh, as well as Helsinki, as well as Europe if you uh, feel so inclined. You can even do open jaws within Europe. Uh, you can even have an origin open jaw, uh, for example, starting in Sydney and finishing Perth. There's quite a few. There's quite a number of possibilities, basically. Okay, great. And can you incorporate Dubai into one of the Finnair tickets? A few people have asked about that on AFF recently. Uh, Dubai is a bit restricted. Uh, Finnair does publish fares from Australia to Dubai uh, via the Eastern Hemisphere only. So you can combine Dubai with an Asia-Pacific routing from another European port. So, for example, you can fly from Australia to Asia to Helsinki to Dubai, but uh, you then can't go, say, Dubai, Helsinki. Uh, North America, Australia, you'd have to, say, do an open jaw to somewhere else in Europe, let's say, hypothetically speaking, Rome. Uh, so you could go, say, Australia, Asia, uh, Helsinki, Dubai, and then open jaw to Rome, and then go Rome, Helsinki, Helsinki, North America, North America, Australia. Uh, so that is possible, but uh, again, a bit restricted since the Dubai riding, the Dubai destination is not filed uh, for Asia Pacific and Trans Siberian. Okay. So, what kind of pricing could we expect uh, with one of the Finnair round the, or one of these Finnair tickets? Uh, economy economy starts at about uh, two thousand uh, dollars for the economy classic fare. Uh, the flex version is only about a hundred dollars more retu- uh, return. Premium economy starts at about four point four k, and flex it's about two hundred dollars more. Business class starts at about six point two, uh, going up to six point eight, six point nine if you're looking for a flex fare. Uh, and these these uh, amounts can go uh, much higher depending on you know if there's a discount uh, availability or whether you're booking to say fully flexible economy for example. Uh, so it, the, the 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 latter I suppose of uh, fares can be uh, quite stretched. Okay, great. So just for anyone who's interested, the prices that we we've just quoted they were based off the routing of Sydney to Dallas Fort Worth to Helsinki to Oslo to Helsinki Singapore and then Sydney using Qantas for the um, the long haul flights out of Australia and then Finnair for the rest of the flights. Um, but you mentioned there's a difference between the fares for Classic and Flex. What extra do you get with a Flex fare? Uh, so for all three cabin classes, economy, premium economy, and business, uh, the key difference at the moment between Classic and Flex is that. Uh, the flex fare is refundable, uh, whereas the classic is not. Uh, changes, of course, uh, be free at the moment, although I expect that may change later on, uh, later in the year, uh, as more and more airlines start to move back towards their pre-COVID policies of charging change fees. So perhaps you know there are possibilities that we'll see change fees on the classic, but not on the flex. Time will tell on that one. Uh, and the other key difference is uh, seat selection is free on the flex, whereas it's paid on the classic. Uh, every other, at least with Finnair, uh, with the other difference. Uh, there's really no other difference at the moment between those two fares. Um, however, in time, you know, we may see changes. Uh, like for example, some of these um, different fares that you know, Qatar Airways offers uh, you know, may have uh, differences in lounge access, for example. But at the moment, with Finnair, we don't see that. Uh, and same with Lufthansa. So, yeah, let's talk about the Lufthansa Swiss and Austrian fares for a little bit now. Like, what are the main differences um, compared to the Finnair fares? Uh, the first difference is it's generally substantially cheaper. Okay. Uh, the Lufthansa Swiss and Austrian fares have a lot more flexibility as far as routings are concerned as well, because they uh, do allow a few one world carriers as far as uh, as part of their fares, whereas Finnair is a bit a little bit more restrictive in that sense. Um, and so they are also a bit stronger in 
in terms of services to Asia as well. So there's a few more routings, for example, you know, out of Bangkok, you can go to both Vienna. Uh, so you can go to Vienna, uh, Frankfurt, or um, Munich, whereas Vienna obviously only goes to Helsinki. So there's, a, there's definitely more routing choice in the uh, Lufthansa Group version. Okay. Uh, same within the US, you've got the San, you know, you've got the San Francisco flights and United. You've got the Qantas flights that you can play with to and from Dallas, LA, Vancouver. You've got Air Canada as all the boats. So you've got you've got quite a lot more choice in the Lufthansa fares, um, and at the same time, they're also cheaper. Okay. Is it true that you can also use Air New Zealand via Rarotonga um, with one of the Lufthansa fares to get to North America? Absolutely, yes. You can go via uh, you can go go both by Auckland and um, Rarotonga, actually. So there is definitely some choice there, and even Finnair allows um, in New Zealand via uh, Auckland. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. And can you also go, for example, from Australia to Europe via South Africa, and then back back via North America or Asia? Yes, uh, that's a that's a bit of a special one with uh, the Lufthansa Group fares. That yes, you can go. Uh, from Australia to South Africa on Qantas, and then uh, from Qantas up to Europe on uh, the Lufthansa Group Airlines. Uh, Austrian don't fly to South Africa, so it mainly be Lufthansa and Swiss Air. Okay. And uh, in terms of the destination in Europe, I've seen that the if your final destination is in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, or Belgium, so the German-speaking parts, um, or the, I guess the, the, the parts where Lufthansa Group Airlines have hubs, um, it's a bit more expensive mm-hmm. compared to if you finish up somewhere like Amsterdam or Rome or somewhere else. Yes, that's that's true. Um, the Lufthansa Group is a bit protective about their home markets, uh, so unfortunately, the fares are not so good to uh, places like Germany, Austria, uh, Belgium, uh, and Switzerland. So, uh, for those destinations, perhaps the uh, other fares, such as the Finnair fare, may be better, um, since uh, those are not those are not one world hubs. Uh, so, it, it really depends on what you're. Uh, requirements are yeah, in terms of destination and so forth yeah. and so which fare makes more sense uh, yeah. one may come out significantly cheaper than the other yeah but i guess you can also still stop over for free in one of those um, lufthansa group hubs so if you do want to go to germany you could make frankfurt or munich a stop over and then continue to somewhere else in europe right yes yes and that's the same with the Finnair fares as well uh, anything in finland is quite expensive um, in the same vein and so uh, often you know you, you may save yourself a lot of money by possibly doing a weekend trip from helsinki to munich Fair enough. So if you use on one of these Lufthansa fares Qantas to and from Australia and then, uh, you know, one of the Lufthansa group or Star Alliance Airlines for the rest of it, can you earn Qantas points and status credits for the Qantas flight and then credit the Lufthansa flights to a Star Alliance program? Yes, you absolutely can. Um, you generally can't do this online yourself. Uh, so if you want to use different, different frequent flight numbers for different flights um, or different airlines, then yes, you would need to... Um, have that manually added the big struggle is obviously a a lot of uh, i find a lot of airline call centers don't know how to um set that up and so um if you're going to do something like that you may be better off uh, seeking the assistance of a travel agent yeah absolutely or i guess like if you turn up at the check-in counter and say like hey can you change the frequent fly number for this flight like they can usually do it i guess yes you can usually do that but uh i often find that um airline check-in staff either don't know how to do it correctly or um or they somehow delete one of your other frequent flyer numbers or there's a lot of room for error i guess if you do it at checking yeah Yeah. it can get messy it's not something i'd recommend yeah so you mentioned that the lufthansa group fares are often a bit cheaper than the finnair fares and that's i think particularly the case with premium economy what kind of pricing are we looking at um so pricing uh with the uh, sorry the lufthansa group fares 
uh, start from about 1.7 for uh, the economy basic product, um, ranging up to about 2,000 for the economy flex. Um, and this is with a destination of Oslo. Uh, for premium economy, starts about 3.4, going up to about 3.8 for the flex. Um, business class goes from about 6.5, going up to about 7. Uh, and the nice thing about the Lufthansa group is there's a bit more choice in that you actually have three fair products you can choose from, basic, basic plus, and flex. Uh, the key differences there is that um, the basic is non-refundable, so very similar to the Finnair Classic. Uh, the basic plus is refundable, but with a fee. Uh, so the basic plus, uh, the fee generally is about $300, $400, depending on the cabin class you're in. Uh, and then the flex is fully refundable with no penalty, which again aligns with the uh, Finnair flex product. Okay, great. And yeah, the a premium economy, like the premium economy basic fare starts from around $3,400. That's che- like significantly cheaper than the Finnair premium economy product, about $1,000 cheaper actually. And it's even cheaper than just booking Qantas premium economy to Los Angeles and back. So it's a really good deal. Absolutely, yes. And again, I guess you can start from different points in Australia and you can you, can you use Qantas or Virgin for the domestic connections in Australia if you're starting somewhere like Adelaide or I don't know, Darwin or something? Yes, you can use um, you can use both Qantas and uh, Virgin. You can even you can even use Jetstar if it happens to be that one of that the port that you're originating from oh, and right. gets Jetstar service. For example, Townsville is probably a good example of that, um, where Qantas used to not offer uh, Sydney Townsville or Melbourne Townsville, you whereas uh, Jetstar did. That's a good example where Jetstar may also be useful too. Okay, oh, there you go. Jetstar might be useful for something. <laughs> You've heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just mentioned briefly. I've I've booked one of these uh, um, itineraries through through you earlier this year, and I'm currently midway through my trip. Um, just for anyone who's interested, I booked Canberra to Sydney on Qantas, then Sydney to Singapore on Singapore Airlines, Singapore to Zurich with a stopover, and then on to Ljubljana on Swiss Air, and then with an open door in Europe, Lisbon to Vienna on uh, TAP. Uh, but that was a, co- a Austrian co chair flight. Then Vienna to Washington on Austrian. Um, and then the last part of the trip will be um, it'll be Washington to Los Angeles on United, and then Qantas to Melbourne and on to Canberra. That was in business class, and it was a business basic plus flare, and it was $6,813 all up. Um, so that's the kind of, um, I guess, the kind of pricing you'd be looking at. And that's just an example of one of many, as we've discussed, many, many possible routings that you could do. Um, you mentioned as well earlier that like other airlines, including Turkish, Air France, KLM, and Qantas offer these fares. Uh, is the pricing and the, the routing rules kind of similar with those fares? Uh, Turkish is a bit more restrictive, uh, same with Air France and KLM. Uh, but again, they they potentially have their uses in the right use case. Uh, so it really, again, depends on where you're going, what your destinations are, and where you plan to stop in between. You know, uh, yeah. your, your routing may, may work quite well on the Lufthansa fares, but not so well on Finnair, may, you know, whereas it may work on Turkish, may not. But there's so many different uh, possibilities there that it's it's hard to sort of uh, give a an exact answer on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anyone's interested in like these airfares, can you book them yourself online or how do you actually book one of these? Um, I think the Lufthansa website does uh, possibly allow you to book at least a limited version of it online. Uh, but f- uh, for the most part, you generally need the assistance of a, assistance of a travel agent or um, an airline call centre to assist you with booking this. Okay, great. Well, Alan Lamb, thanks once again for joining me on the AFF on Air podcast. Lots to think about there for listeners who might be thinking about uh, booking an overseas trip. Uh, there's some really good deals out there. Um, so, yeah, appreciate your time. Thanks again, Matt. 
Finally, I just want to bring you some feedback from the last episode with David Feldman. Um, the AFF member Sudoer left a quite a long comment on the AFF on Air discussion thread with some feedback about the episode and also some interesting comments about um, how this person views the sweet spot with the Qantas and the Velocity programs. And I thought it would be worth sharing because I think the I think this is quite an interesting comment and uh, quite an informed opinion as well. Um, so I'll, I'll just read out what this person wrote in full. And so Sudoa says, as someone who follows loyalty program tweaks, changes and promos a little too obsessively and finds their mechanics fascinating, I really enjoyed the recent episode with David Feldman. I agreed with the comments at the end of the show about Velocity starting to look more appealing. Once they have the Qatar and the All Nippon Airways partnerships, if that ever happens, established, they'll offer decent partner coverage of Europe, North and South Asia and North America. As long as they ramp up frequencies of their own metal to New Zealand and the South Pacific in due course, they would have most of the major business destinations covered. It might even be enough for jaded Qantas frequent flyer gold members to consider switching to Virgin Australia. You know, the type who are sick of the abysmal call centre experience, both the hold times and the incompetent offshore staff, the removal of lounge service desks, the struggle to find decent Qantas business class awards 353 days out, and the published but undelivered benefits like priority boarding and baggage. For most travel patterns, Virgin Australia Platinum is about as easy to attain or retain as Qantas Gold. In some cases, easier with family pooling. Fly Ahead and Economy X are quite attractive benefits. They really just need to make the international partner lounge entitlements clearer and more consistent and bring in some form of lifetime status. But if your usual Qantas status credit earn was around the 650 to 700 mark each year, I think it would be quite easy to justify a switch to Virgin Australia. In my opinion, Sudoa says, the most interesting Qantas frequent flyer value proposition is a combination of Platinum and Points Club Plus with a 100 status credit head start each year with Points Club Plus combined with Qantas Classic Award requests on which you can also earn status credits and even double status credits sometimes makes retaining Platinum quite a bit easier. And Points Club Plus means churning two to three cards annually for most people and results in acquiring quite a few Qantas points along the way as well. But if you have confidence that you can burn them on the routes and dates you want and they can count towards your uh, Platinum retention target and I think it would appeal to a person who earns 650 to uh, 700 status credits per year as a stretch goal um yeah really interesting comments Sudoa. thanks a lot for that and um yeah i agree with pretty much everything you've said um velocity status is looking quite appealing to a lot of Qantas flyers it is it, by all accounts a bit easier to earn than Qantas so virgin platinum is sort of roughly takes the amount of about the equivalent amount of effort if you're flying around australia to earning Qantas gold i think that's a fair comment uh, but also, yeah, if you've got platinum, you, you have the ability to request award seats to be released. Um, and if you're in points club, you can earn status credits on those reward seats if you're flying on Qantas aircraft. So thanks for those comments, Sudo. I appreciate the feedback. And that's all for episode 86 of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Alan Lamb, and thanks very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels.